and welcome to Fresh Pressed for November 17th, 2020. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and grooves, both memorable and memorial. And this is a nice sentiment that you've expressed. Andrew, do you want to take the lead on the theme this week? Sure. So last week on Tuesday, my local South Philly venue, Boot and Saddle, announced that they are closing forever because uh, they cannot sustain their business. They can't. They just finished a lease. They can't sign a new long-term lease uh, with sort of no end in sight in terms of the coronavirus situation here in America. And they are hoping that by closing Boot and Saddle, they can keep their sister venue, Union Transfer, open, which is a bigger venue, uh, draws some bigger acts. But I'm really going to miss having... You know, this this local place that is just a few blocks from my house that has so many good shows of all these up-and-coming artists. You know, Union Transfer is great, and I love going there. I've gone there a bunch of times. But I, there's nothing for me that compares to a little tiny venue uh, like The Boot is slash was. And so this week, I wanted to do something in honor of them. We've already done Boots as a theme, so instead of that, Instead of just doing saddles, I guess we could have done saddles. Definitely. But for something a little more uh, direct, what we are choosing are songs that we have seen live in a small venue like The Boot, or for mine, At The Boot, that we thought those performances were really special. So we're going to talk about those. These small venues are really vital to getting artists off the ground and getting yeah. them exposed to a live audience in like a professional setting that you're not like going to jump straight into, you know, even a place like Union Transfer. A lot of these artists get their feet wet at a small venue like Boot and Saddle. And, you know, touring is what pays the bills. So having the option to play something smaller and get exposure that way in a way that you can actually maybe make a little bit of money is essential. And from a music listening standpoint, the smaller, more intimate venues are really fun in a very specific way that feels, I don't know, the 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 big venue or like festival grounds feels more sterile, right? You're much less close to the artist. Um, there's kind of like a level of formality there that maybe doesn't exist at a small venue. Anyway, Andrew, who did you see for this particular song at Boot and Saddle? So at Boot and Saddle, I saw... Saint Seneca, which is honestly one of my favorite bands. I've never brought them on this show, I think because of that. And I'm like, I can't, you know, I got to use my one Saint Seneca spot for something good, you know? Right. Um, so I've always been afraid to pick them. But I thought this was perfect. This is the the first thing that I thought of when we settled on this theme. So this is the song Last by Saint Seneca. If I was only a little younger, slightly softer with vastly wider eyes, then I could tell you what I've been meaning to, that our redemption is also our demise. Let's talk about the band a little bit first. St. Seneca is primarily Zach Little. Uh, He's the singer and songwriter and guitarist. There's some other folks in the band. Steve Schulich 
John Meter, Marin Jones, and Matt O'Conk. But it's really Zach's songwriting project, and this song especially is just him. They are from Ohio, and they have four or five albums. They have a lot of music. I think four full albums and a couple EPs. Uh, the last one came out 2018, I believe, Pillar of Nah. But this is from their first LP entitled Last. So this is the title track. I've always loved this song. This is like one of my favorite. This is certainly my favorite St. Seneca song. And it's like absolutely one of my favorite songs. Talking about this song, I feel the same way I did talking about Steadier Footing by Death Cab for Cutie a few months ago. Sure. It has a similar feel to it. And I also think it is just an incredible song uh, in all aspects. The song is just guitar and voice. um, And it is very much about getting older and things changing. You know, I feel like I should have have a lesson at the end of that. But it really doesn't, which I think is one of the things that draws me to that song. It doesn't really come out with like, well, but change is, you know, overall for the better or something like that. It's just sort of like things are changing and that is the situation. You can't uh, go back to the past. I think that has more resonance. It's not trying right. to peddle any bullshit or lies or or some deeper morality. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So did you see St. Seneca play this song live? I did. And I, it was at Boot and Saddle, of course. And I, um, you know, walked into the venue, bought my St. Seneca t-shirt from Zach and went into the venue. And then they came on and played. And as he was, the thing about Boot and Saddle, which I think I've mentioned before, is there are two entrances to the performance area. One of them is a door that goes outside. Like it's like an emergency exit. And one of them is the door from the front half of the venue, which is a bar. And that's where, like, the merch table is. So if that's where you are as the performer selling your T-shirts, then you walk on through the entire crowd up to the stage and get on there. There's no, like, stage entrance or anything. It's just, like, there's a platform at the back of the room, and you walk through it from the, from the bar side. So when I saw St. Seneca... I actually didn't realize it was him who was selling me the shirt. I was like, oh, this guy seems cool. And I was like, oh, that's the guy after I bought the shirt and gone inside. (laughs) Then he, of course, had to walk through the crowd to get to the stage. And as he was doing so, I did. He walked past me. So I was like, play last. And he was like, sure, dude. And then he did. (laughs) I'm sure he was going to play it anyway because it's, you know, it's an iconic song. and It's beautiful. It's a very nice thing to play in a tiny little intimate venue like that but maybe he wasn't and it's all because of me that he played this song well it's certainly an upgrade from playing say Freebird, uh especially if this yeah. is was he just up there with a the guitar was it just him uh for this song yes there were other people for for the rest of the show but this was this might have been encore you know like first encore song just the front man and then another one other song to get everyone going you know yeah I do know. That's really cool. But yeah, it was just a really powerful experience. You know, I was expecting it to be really emotional anyway, and it made it a little bit more cool that, you know, whether it made a difference or not, I got to just like directly ask him right next to me, like, hey, play this. And he said, yeah, sure. 
That is really cool. And, you know, again, this is one of the amazing things about small venues. They afford you these sort of possibilities. Yeah. I mean, one of the great things about Boot and Saddle that I've seen a lot of artists talking about in the wake of this announcement is that it was such a great place for the artist to hang out after the show. Like I saw more than one artist say, like, I like hate hanging out after shows. I hate, like, you know, sitting around and having people talk to me and I feel so terrible. But, like, Boot and Saddle was a great place to just, like, hang out, sit at the bar, get a drink, and talk with people. Everyone felt like they were on a level playing field without it being, like, a basement show. You know, it still felt like a venue. Right. But it was a venue where everyone could hang out with each other. It was it was just like the perfect place, I think. Don't you remember no bridge was tall enough up and stairs the beckon that we go rolling down. We'd poke our toes out, we'd let our heads drop. Let's fall forever, let's never hit the ground. I'm quite sad that I never got to see the show there. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't want to say maybe something, but, you know. Boot and Saddle, it's, uh, it started as, it was a country western bar a long time ago. It was closed for 18 years, and then only like seven years ago, um, these guys bought it and reopened it, re- redid it as this indie venue. So maybe it will find a third life. They're keeping the big cowboy boot shaped sign neon sign on the front of the building so maybe it'll become something new we don't know but i will certainly miss what it was and you cry you cry yourself to sleep and your attempts to conjure up old dreams Gabe, what song do you have for to show to me this week? Yeah, for you to show, I am bringing Golden Age by The Love Language off their 2013 record, Ruby Red. I saw the love language in a parking lot just outside of the Carborough, North Carolina venue, the Cat's Cradle. Okay. Uh, not inside the venue, it should be noted. But this allows me to talk about a couple cool North Carolina-specific music scene um, things. So first of all, uh, the love language is Stuart McClam. And he is from Raleigh, North Carolina. And the band is just like very much centered in the North Carolina triangle of Chapel Hill, Durham, and Raleigh. The the album title, Ruby Red, for this song, is the name of the studio in Raleigh where the album was recorded. So very like one of these hyper-local bands that everybody in that that area of the country is kind of aware of um, in the indie scene. And, you know, like Stuart McLam has participated in other projects and like played in other people's groups and you know one of these small scenes that's very tight-knit in that way i saw him them live 
at a festival, actually, celebrating the 25th anniversary of Merge Records, which is the record label that the Love Language is on, but also that is local to the Triangle. It was started there and includes artists like Spoon and um, Neutral Milk Hotel and like Lamb Chop, who put out a record this week. Uh, and is one of the, I think, iconic indie labels. And so Cat's Cradle is sort of their venue. They're not directly related that way, but obviously the label's right here. The band is right there. They are tight-knit and connected in that way. Yeah. You know, this this festival was really cool. Love Language came on relatively early in the day, so it was a very small crowd still. Uh, and, you know, the festival concluded with Neutral Milk Hotel playing, still to, like, a pretty oh, small group of people, all things considered, when they weren't really touring all that much. This was 2014. Normally they're touring all the time. Yeah, famously. <laughs> and this is a band that I discovered while, like, DJing at the radio station that I DJed at in college, which was our college radio station at Duke. Um, so it's all sort of connected in that way, and that is really cool. I like the song a lot. I think it's very characteristic of the band. Um, you know, like kind of there's a decent volume of sound on this. Um, there's like dream pop elements, lots of reverb, um, sort of wistful lyrics, um, <laughs> pretty melodies. It's hard to say that it directly relates to anything specific, but I like the atmosphere that the song gives off. Yeah. When I was listening to the song, I was thinking about, I didn't know where you had seen it. So, you know, I can imagine the song at a big, I can imagine being on the lawn of like a big arena kind of show and seeing the song and having a fun time. I can also imagine being in a tiny little enclosed venue and enjoying the song in a different way. I feel like seeing the song in a parking lot is a pretty nice sweet spot between those two uh ways to see this performed yeah it was a cool way to see the love language and some of the other bands which um the love language is a bit softer than i think a good chunk of the the triangle scene which has got you know it's hardcore elements there i saw x hex which is um like kind of raucous punk yeah. i think we're on the right XX. afterwards <laughs> yeah the xx raucous punk exactly <laughs> And yeah, it was really remarkable. Again, there weren't that many people yet. So you kind of had this like meandering people like sort of in the back were like meandering around and there was like a low hum of other things going on. And then everybody who was like a fan of the band and who knew the band was like kind of pressed up against the stage. The cool thing about this like quote festival was like, yes, it's like an outdoor festival, but in a very intimate indie way of like not everybody knew about it. What I wanted to say is that the Cat's Cradle is a very uh, important venue for indie bands in that area. And and that's like the primary, like small to mid-sized venue that artists will go play at if they're not playing at like an arena or at like there's a nice outdoor venue in Raleigh. And it's essential to the scene. And, you know, like 
Boone Saddle, they have been struggling. And this is a venue that's been around for like 40 to 50 years, something on that order. So Jeez. really important. So I think I will kind of conclude my section of this with a call to action. There was a, a cover album released. Uh, I think they finished releasing the songs in maybe in July where North Carolina artists went they said undercover to to benefit the venue. Hmm. So that's at coverchargemusic.com. And I'll drop a link in the show notes. And so basically a bunch of North Carolina artists recorded cover songs and you can buy it and all the proceeds will go towards supporting the venue through a time when, you know, nothing's really happening. Um, And the love language is on there and they're covering Everything Flows by Teenage Fan Club. From my end of things, obviously, you can't really support Boot and Saddle, but they are going to be putting out a, a Rest in Peace Boot and Saddle t-shirt that's going to help pay for their full-time staff's health care for as long as they can, um, which I think is really, really great and a worthwhile cause for, you know, we talk, we've talked a lot about how venues help artists, but they also employ people. And some of those people might also be artists or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but when a venue like this closes, it also means there's a group of people who have lost their job um, and probably a job that is different from like losing your job at the McDonald's, you know? Yeah, this is these tend to be more passion jobs, right? These are people who really love music who are involved in these venues. And like right. you said, a lot of them usually are artists themselves and people that are trying to make it big in music themselves. Yeah, they haven't haven't started selling that yet, but as soon as they do, you know I'm going to retweet it after I have secured my own. <laughs> and then in a more general sense, the best thing that you can do for your local venues, our local venues, everyone's local venues, and therefore everyone's favorite music is to go to saveourstages.com and you can support the National Independent Venue Association, which is working to, hey, guess what? Save our stages. Um, They have a couple different funds. There's sort of like the general operating fund. There's the emergency relief fund that is specifically for these uh, venues while they're waiting and hoping for any sort of governmental support. And then another thing that is the easiest thing in the world you don't even have to pay any money for it. If you go to Save Our Stages, you can fill out your information and automatically send a message to your elected officials and ask them to support the Save Our Stages Act, which will specifically help with governmental funds, uh, these small indie venues. Donating your own money is great, but there should also be governmental support because that's your money too, and this is uh, vital economically to cities, and it's also vital specifically to individuals, and it's vital emotionally and culturally to uh, the community as a whole. So saveourstages.com, send that email. You can customize it. Um, I sent one on Tuesday talking about how much I love Boot and Saddle and how much I was going to miss it. And if you can, you can donate on that same page. So please check it out. 
Andrew, there was a wealth of new music released this week. Sure was. I absolutely love your song. Please tell us about it. Yeah, well, it's been, you know, a little bit since we've talked about Afrobeat, so I thought I'd bring us back to (laughs) a very popular genre for this podcast. This song is called Baba Ayula, and it's by Kokoroko. So, Kokoroko, that's in all caps. First of all, it's an Orobo word, meaning be strong. That's a, a, a Nigerian language. And the group is an eight-piece Afrobeat and new jazz ensemble from London, England. Heard of Whoa. it? London? And they are eight people whose names are the following. Damn. <laughs> Sheila Maurice Gray, Cassie Kenoshi, Richie Sievright, Johan Kibede, du- Dwayne Atherley. I don't know why I couldn't <laughs> say the name Dwayne. <laughs> Toby Adenaike, Onome Edgeworth, and Ayo Salau. And they formed this band. They have one album self-titled from, uh, I think, just last year. And they are working on another one, which this song, Baba Ayula, might be on. Stay tuned to find out. This song is awesome. It is it's so fucking awesome. Cool. I don't know why. I like. I hate when you bring a song and I'm like, I where, where did this even come from? How was I not aware? <laughs> what the hell? Uh, it's just first of all, so groovy, it's so, groovy. so groovy. Um, and I love the combination of Afrobeat with a little more jazz stylings. Is kind of how I how I feel about it. Yeah, and it's got great horns and a great guitar and. Ugh, just one of these songs that feels like it fits together so well. It really does. They spent a lot of time as a group sort of working on their sound and figuring out what they wanted this sort of modern Afrobeat, Afro-jazz sound to be. They formed in 2014. And like I said, they put out their first album last year. And they're working on another one that'll probably come out next year. So... They really did spend a lot of time. Obviously, a major influence is the person that we can't go an Afrobeat episode without mentioning, which is Fela Kuti, uh, father of Afrobeat. And they mention a lot of other musicians, Pat Thomas, Evo Taylor, and others. And they've talked about how, um, specifically with Fela Kuti, like every element of the song plays a part before melody or harmony, there's rhythm. That's sort of the basis of everything. Um, and I think you can really hear that on this. So this song starts with just vocals. I can't find anywhere if, if they're if they're saying words or if they're just syllables. I have no idea. They don't say that clearly anywhere. But it has this really rhythmic quality. And then the drums come in and everything else comes in. And it sort of builds on one another. On the rhythmic, rhythmic aspect, Gabe, I'm interested in this question. Do you know what time signature this song is in? Oh, geez. Is it something unusual? It didn't seem unusual. Right. Right? Right? Didn't it not seem unusual? And I was just I would have said 4 4 is what I would have said. Yeah. And then I was listening to it another time right before we recorded. I was like, oh, shit. This song's in 5 4. Wait, what? It's in 5 4. 
if you listen to to like the the melody of the song, it is it's just two measures of five. Yep, definitely in five four. I just listened to the first section again, extremely in five. Isn't that crazy? And it's so smooth. Like it's so smooth. I mean, that's a you know that's a a jazz thing, and it's this complex Afrobeat drum part, and it never feels like like you're off balance or you're having trouble following it. It's just pure groove. It's really excellent. So the song is written in tribute to the saxophonist's grandfather, Cassie Kenoshi, her grandfather, Baba Ayula. Baba meaning. Grandfather? Father, grandfather, yeah. Yeah, some patriarchal figure. We're not going to get into the whole linguistic thing about names for parents, but you know that thing, Gabe? Yeah, yeah. It's the same word in Chinese, so that should tell you enough. Anyway... This song, like you said, it's just pure groove. The horns are so good on this. Like, really amazing. And I also feel like the horns are one of the things that, for me, separate this from more traditional Afrobeat. Yes. Because I feel like traditional Afrobeat is a little more, the horn parts are a little more focused on, they're more staccato and they're uh, sharper uh, in tone. And these can get really smooth. Right. I think in typical like Afrobeat stuff that we've brought before or like Felakuti, for instance, they tend to be like uh, emphasizing hits. Right. And that's a, you know, as we just said, that's an important part of Afrobeat. And it's not that these horns are ignoring the rhythmic rhythmic aspect. They're just melding that with a more like American jazz style of horn playing, which I think is just really excellent. And and still allows it to come to this great climax. Yeah, and that's another point that I wanted to make is that the song has a lovely, like, instrumental mm, keys section, question yes, mark. Yes, it is keys. Uh, um, <laughs> I did, I have to, I had to listen to that a couple times and be like, is that the guitar or is that the keys? Yeah. Is that a guitar with a real, like, through a very synthy sounding pedal or is it just the keys player? But I think it is the keys player. And it builds into like this beautiful like finale section of the song. Like the song really feels like it's in multiple parts and has that sort of flow to it. And then it really does come to like a climax. I I mean, I've listened to this several times. And like I said, I just listened to it again right before we started recording. And I had figured out that it was in 5-4 during the beginning of the song and was just like thinking about that. And then when I wasn't even paying attention to the music, we it got going and got going into that climax. And I just like couldn't, I, I couldn't think about anything other than just the sound. I was just so excited. Yes. Yes. And it is still bookended by those vocals, which are the three uh, horn players as well doing the vocals, Sheila, Cassie, and Richie, which I, I also feel like separates it from just like straight groove to a fully self-contained song that has such a great groove all the way through. Oh my God, this is so good.
Gabe, what's new with you? This is also a single that came out this past week titled Corner Store by the trio Palberta. Is this band from? Yeah, I don't think they're from Alberta. In fact, I know that they're not from Alberta, Canada, which is a bit of a shame, but also mm. hilarious because that means that they're like, Alberta, what about Palberta? You know? Do you think they all took like a friendship trip to Alberta? It, it seems like a long way from New York City, but it's possible. <laughs> Uh, I haven't found anything definitive on where their name comes from. However, I can tell you a little bit about the group. Um, so it is a trio. Uh, Anina Ivory Brock, Lily Konigsberg, and Nina Reiser. They met at Bard and formed this group in 2013. This single, Corner Store, is from their upcoming fifth record together, um, which yeah. will be titled Palberta 5000. <laughs> Great which is awesome, and should be uh, out sometime in January. Andrew, I would describe this genre as tender punk. Their last album, Roach Going Down, is mostly songs under two minutes, and no song hits the three-minute mark at all. (laughs) Like this song doesn't either. Um, What Palberta is mainly known for, and which is striking on this particular song, is their harmonies. What may also come across in this song, although in a slightly different way, is that the three of them play guitar, bass, and drums, but they just kind of play whichever one they feel like for the song. (laughs) Great. Both on recordings and also apparently live, they'll just like rotate who's playing what instrument. (laughs) That's great. Which is a really, uh, really fun dynamic. And I think that feeds into what I love most about this song and their other music, which is that Palberta has excellent chemistry. They really do. Like the harmonies on this song, Andrew, just are, feel very, they're not polished, but they're seamless, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It feels like it's three friends in a car. On their way to Alberta. On their way to Alberta being like, hey, what if we were all pals and we named our band Palberta? and we sang some dope harmonies. And also that like unpolished feel fits well with some of their instrumentation. If you're playing three different instruments, you're probably not like an absolute expert in one of them on any given song. Not that they're not great musicians, but like, you know, it's this music is not necessarily about technical prowess and more about songwriting ability. Right. And the bass has this like great picked bass feel that really accentuates that um, in a positive way. And it, it just makes it feel like fun and casual. You know, corner stores are 
a staple in large part, like many cities in the world, but also like very specifically, that's a New York City thing, I think. And this this is a song about New York and about Brooklyn and like seeing somebody on the front page of the Sunday New York Times, which is referenced <laughs> in the song. It just like the whole thing comes together with a really perfect unifying aesthetic of, yeah, like chemistry and friendship and making great music in a way that feels less formal, even though, you know, obviously a lot of time goes into this. Right, just because it sounds this way doesn't mean that there wasn't an enormous amount of effort put forth. They've been playing Corner Store at live shows for years now, and oh, yeah? only recently kind of stumbled upon this like acapella bridge section that's in the song that like leads you back into the main groovy bass and guitar section. And they like came across that and were like, "Aha! We have a song now that works <laughs> for a record." It is really great. The way that that the way that it's structured, um, and it makes sense that there there's so much chemistry in the song that it's it's not something brand new to them. It's something that they've been playing live and presumably outside of performance routinely for years. I love when like a song has that kind of history. That is a song they played live and never really settled on for years, and then uh, finally did not just a live recording of it, but like a studio version that really nails it in the same way that uh, their live version does, or even in a new way. And just in a way that feels organic, I think, more than anything else. All three members of the band are involved in other projects in Brooklyn. Um, you know, they're, they're, this is just a scene that they're a part of, and it means they hop from band to band. But this is definitely the group that all three of them has have returned to frequently because I think that, you know, they talk in interviews about how close-knit they feel and how good it just feels to play together it's just a cool dynamic to have a group like this as like a cornerstone to their um, musical endeavors in new york it's fun to listen to a band that sounds like they're having fun with each other i saw you at the corner corner i saw you on the front of the sunday times Andrew, what other records and singles from this past week did you want to highlight? Gwenifer Raymond is a Welsh guitarist whose uh, second album, Strange Lights Over Garth Mountain, came out this weekend. And that was absolutely my favorite album of the week. She plays sort of her own twist on American primitive guitar, which is a style that I really enjoy. It's such a cool album. Check it out. Also, side note, a large reason that I got into and really enjoy American Primitive Guitar is because when I saw Haley Hendrix at Boot and Saddle, she played a song by John Fahey, who, who invented the style of American Primitive Guitar. So that's just another reason why local venues are great. On the guitar front, uh, the Nels Klein Singers which is fronted by Nels Klein, the guitarist. And does not include any singing. <laughs> right. Released a lovely jazz guitar record titled Share the Wealth that has some you know, experimental attributes to it. 
it's like two ripping singles and then it's like taking a sharp left turn into weird territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the big indie record of the week probably is Told Slants, Point the Flashlight and Walk. So good. Very good stuff. Yeah, especially if you like indie rock. Um, I really like, uh, Felix is the front person of, of the band and the main driving force band. I really like their songwriting qualities. I don't always gel with the way that they execute those. Like, I don't always gel with their vocal styles, which do, do vary quite a lot throughout this album. Um, but I really think that they're an excellent songwriter. Hachiku released a record called I'll Probably Be Asleep, which is the latest entry in Andrew and Gabe Listen to Bedroom Pop. Um, <laughs> which is maybe all that I'll say about it, but I did love it. It's great. And another worthy entry to that collection. Molly Pardon uh, put out an EP called Rosemary. That's some really nice uh, indie folk songs that also include some lovely horns the indie horn style that you know and love. Also, I know who Molly Pardon is because she appears on the album Kitchen Songs by Matthew Wright. Huh. Uh, I talked about a song from that album earlier this year, and I saw Matthew Wright open for Joe Pug in February at Boot and Saddle. I mentioned, and I'll just re-mention this briefly, that Merge Mainstays lamb chop released their latest record titled trip which is intimate and delightful um and i recommend it there's a new antlers track this week that i thought was better than the previous antlers track that you brought so i agree fucked up yep should have waited shit (laughs) i am also new singles from teenage fan club and there's a lovely beautiful single from all things blue called lully one more single was uh kp by Thank You, Thank You, which is a uh, new signee on Oof Records, whose music we have enjoyed in the past. So that's our show for the week. We hope you have enjoyed listening. If you'd be so kind, you should give us a follow on Twitter at Fresh Pressed Pod, where you can hear Andrew's latest ramblings about which venues to support and how to contact your government agents. Um, we also have a Spotify playlist with picks from the show that you can check out in the show notes. We'll be back on Tuesday, November 24th with more tunes and more grooves. But for now, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you've been listening to Fresh Pressed. Fresh Pressed.